tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. I'm Jill, and this week I want to talk about a new study that was just published in The Lancet, which found that people under 40 shouldn't drink alcohol at all. This is a big study that looked at a lot of data, so in this episode I'll explain where the data came from, what they focused their analysis on, and the outcomes of the study. Since this study is calling for the guidelines to be revisited, I will also explain how the guidelines are even determined in the first place. You'll learn about the limits of this study, some criticisms about its conclusions, and how studies on alcohol and health are normally performed. So let's dig in.
study analyzed disease rates for 22 different conditions using data from the 2020 Global Burden of Diseases, Injuries, and Risk Factors study, which tracks early death and disability from over 300 diseases. This data included 204 countries and looked at people aged 15 to 95 from 1990 to 2020. In 2020, alcohol use contributed to 1.78 million deaths and was the leading risk factor for mortality in males 15 to 49 years old. Alcohol contributes to death by causing diseases like cirrhosis and cancer, making us more prone to injury, lowering our immune system so we catch and can't fight off other diseases, by increasing the risk of suicide and increasing the risk of car accidents. A previous study in 2018 also analyzed the global burden of disease data from 2016 and found that no amount of alcohol was safe for overall health for people aged 15 to 49. This current study is more detailed, though, and looked at many different areas in the world. This new study looked at two main things, the theoretical minimum risk exposure level, which is the amount of alcohol that minimizes health loss from a population, and the non-drinker equivalence level, which measures the amount of alcohol where the risk of health loss for a drinker is equivalent to a non-drinker. The amount of alcohol is dependent on the individual, though, and whether they have comorbidities, alcohol use disorder, or what medications they are taking. So this study found that 1.03 billion men and 312 million women drank harmful amounts of alcohol in 2020. For men, there were big concentrations of heavy drinkers aged 15 to 39 in Central and Western Europe and in Australia and New Zealand. Based on the data, they found that for people aged 15 to 39, the theoretical minimum risk exposure level, so as a reminder, the amount of alcohol that minimizes health loss, would be between 0 and 0 0.6 standard drinks per day. So to put this in perspective, one standard drink is a 5-ounce glass of 12% wine, one 5% bottle of beer, or one shot. 0.6 standard drinks is only 3 ounces of 12% wine, or 88 milliliters, or it's about 60% of one bottle of beer or one shot. That's basically like one gulp of alcohol. And remember, this is being compared to the overall health risks for non-drinkers. So based on the data, if someone drinks more than that, they're increasing the risk of health problems. This study calls for updating the guidelines and said that the existing guidelines are too high for younger populations. They also said that they do not support guidelines that differ by sex. And I think that's really interesting because we know that women are much more vulnerable to negative health effects compared to men. This study also found that for people over 40, small amounts of alcohol might reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease, stroke, and diabetes which is pretty weird. I talked about a new study that found that moderate drinking does not support heart health in episode 95, so check that one out if you want more information. In this study, though, they found no protective effects with moderate drinking for high blood pressure, atrial fibrillation, liver disease, epilepsy, pancreatitis, and many cancers. 
The authors of the study think that differentiating the guidelines by age instead of sex would be more effective. And the overall conclusion is that no one should drink alcohol to get any potential health benefits and that some people shouldn't drink at all. For people under 40, there are no health benefits at all from drinking alcohol and any amount raises the risk of car accidents, suicides, and homicides. If you're interested, I explain how alcohol raises the risk of suicide in episode 63. So you might be wondering how the guidelines are even determined. So the Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee is an independent advisory board that's appointed by the Departments of Agriculture and Health and Human Services. The committee has 20 members, which are all nationally recognized experts, and they review scientific evidence and update the dietary guidelines for Americans every five years. In 2020, the committee proposed to reduce the definition of moderate drinking for men from two drinks per day down to no more than one drink per day, and to keep the guidelines for women the same at one drink per day. As you can imagine, though, this change brought a lot of criticism, with some critics even calling it stealth prohibition. I think people calling revising the guidelines stealth prohibition is a bit funny. You don't have to follow the guidelines. It's not like it's a law. It's a recommendation. You can still go to a bar and get eight drinks. They're not going to cut you off at one and say, oh, because of the guidelines, I can't give you another drink. And reducing the guidelines just makes people more aware that alcohol isn't actually good for you. According to the World Health Organization, about 3 million deaths every year worldwide are from heavy drinking. So this is about 5.3% of all deaths. For people that are 20 to 39 years old, about 13.5% of total deaths are attributable to alcohol consumption. This data is causal too, it's not a correlation. If you listen to episode 85, then I explained in depth why correlation can't be taken as fact and how many studies show the benefits of drinking just show correlation. Many studies on alcohol are actually observational, meaning that the researchers follow a group of people for a certain amount of time or they just collect data at one point in time. I talked about a lot of observational studies and gave you some examples in episodes 85, 90, and 95. The problem with observational studies, though, is that they can be biased. They rely on self-reported drinking, and some studies that I talked about in previous episodes have even used participants that were overall healthier than the average person their age. If you start out with healthier people, then the results will probably show that alcohol is good. Many studies also don't account for lifestyle factors, and it's been found that when you control for socioeconomic status, the relationship between moderate drinking and health falls apart. This new study has some limits. They don't differentiate between people who rarely drink, but when they do, they drink a ton versus people who drink a small amount most days. And they also did not include the burden of alcohol use disorders in their theoretical minimum risk exposure level. So this estimate is just based on moderate or infrequent drinking, not problematic drinking. And that makes sense because they're trying to advise policymakers on moderate drinking. And everybody knows that chronic heavy drinking is linked to a bunch of health problems. 
in my opinion, this also makes the data stronger because the limit they determined of 0.6 standard drinks is based on disease and drinking data from moderate or infrequent drinkers. This study also has a bunch of criticism, which probably doesn't surprise you. But here's a good one that you might like. Dr. Tony Rao, who is a clinical research fellow at King's College in London, criticized the conclusion that a small amount of alcohol can be beneficial for people over 40. We know that any purported health benefits from alcohol on the heart and circulation are balanced out by the increased risk from other conditions such as cancer, liver disease, and mental disorders such as depression and dementia. There are also criticisms about the study concluding that there was no difference between men and women because many studies have found that women are more sensitive to the effects of alcohol and the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism found that alcohol-related problems in women appear sooner and at lower levels of alcohol than they do for men. For example, just one drink per day increases a woman's risk of getting breast cancer by 5 to 9% compared to non-drinkers. So what this 0.6 drink per day limit means is that once you exceed that amount, then you're increasing the risk of developing health problems from alcohol. So alcohol damages all areas of the brain and many areas of the body. So this doesn't mean if you have one drink a day for years, you're doomed. It just means the risk is starting to increase of having negative health effects. But ultimately, things like genetics and other lifestyle factors will have a big impact on whether or not you develop a problem. Because we know there are some women who die of cirrhosis in their 30s, and there are other drinkers who drink heavily every single day for their entire lives and never have a problem. So this limit is just suggesting an increased risk, and that after 0.6 drinks per day, your risk is now increasing compared to a non-drinker. I also talked about how binge drinking, both when combined with daily drinking or for someone who doesn't drink often, but will drink a ton when they do drink, impacts our health in episode 65. So if you want to learn more about binge drinking and not moderate drinking, check that one out. And thank you for sticking with me in this episode. If you made it this far, my husband and I got home from a cruise to Alaska and we uh, brought the vid home with us, and we are both really struggling. So uh, it sucks, but hopefully I will be back to my normal energy level and regular voice in a few days, and I'll talk to you next week. Madeline and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety and lots of how-to for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. 
I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.